Chapter 20 of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Embert de saint Amand, translated by elizabeth g martin chapter twenty marie antoinette on june twentieth louis the sixteenth had just entered his bedchamber the crowd after leaving the hall of the old de boeuf had departed through the state bedchamber and the king's great cabinet called also the council hall on entering this last apartment an unexpected scene had surprised them behind the large table they saw the queen madame elizabeth the dauphin and madame royale how came the queen to be there what had happened at quarter of four when louis the sixteenth had left his room to go into the hall of the bull's-eye and meet with the rioters marie antoinette as we have already said made desperate efforts to follow him monsieur aubier placing himself before the door of the king's chamber prevented the queen from going out in vain she cried let me pass my place is beside the king i will join him and perish with him if it must be monsieur aubier through devotion disobeyed her nevertheless the queen whose courage redoubled her strength would have borne down this faithful servant if m rougeville a chevalier of st louis had not aided him to block up the passage imploring marie antoinette in the name of her own safety and that of the king not to expose herself needlessly to poignards and aided by the minister of foreign affairs they drew her almost by force into the chamber of the dauphin which was near the king's messieurs de choiseul d'ossonville and de saint priest assisted by several grenadiers of the national guard afterwards induced her to go with her children into the grand cabinet of the king called also the council hall because the ministers were accustomed to assemble there the princess de Lamballe, the princess of torrento the marchioness de terzel the duchesses de luenis de duras the marchioness de roche madame de soucy the baroness de macau the countess de genestu remained with the queen so also did the minister chambonnaise the duc de choiseul counts de hossonville and de montmorin viscount de saint priest marquis de champsenets and general de wittengolf commander of the seventeenth military division the queen and her children occupied the embrasure of a window and the large and heavy table used by the ministerial council was placed in front of them as a sort of barricade 
meanwhile marie antoinette's apartments and her bedroom on the ground floor were invaded some national guards tried vainly to defend them you are cutting your own throats shouted the people overwhelmed by numbers they saw the door of the first apartment broken down by hatchets it contained the beds of the queen's servants ranged behind screens afterwards they saw the invaders go into marie antoinette's sleeping-room tear the clothes off her bed and loll upon it crying as they did so we will have the austrian woman dead or alive the queen however remained in the council hall where she could hear the echoes of the cries resounding in that of the oeil de boeuf where louis the sixteenth was and from which she was separated only by the state bedchamber towards seven in the evening she beheld madame elizabeth who after heroically sharing the dangers of the king had now found means to rejoin her the deputies who came to us she wrote to madame de regicourt july three had come out of good will a veritable deputation arrived and persuaded the king to go back to his own apartments as i was told this and as i was unwilling to be left in the crowd i went away about an hour before he did and rejoined the queen you can imagine with what pleasure i embraced her in their perils therefore madame elizabeth was near both louis the sixteenth and marie antoinette after having voluntarily exposed herself to all the anguish of the invasion of the oeil de boeuf the courageous princess was with the queen in the council hall where the crowd coming through the state bedchamber arrived there the horde marched through it carrying their barbarous inscriptions like so many ferocious standards one of these says madame campagne in her memoirs represented a gibbet from which an ugly doll was hanging below it was written marie antoinette to the lamp-post another was a plank to which a bullock's heart had been fastened surrounded by the words heart of louis the sixteenth finally a third presented a pair of bullock's horns with an indecent motto some royalist grenadiers belonging to the battalion called the file st thomas were near the council table and protected the queen marie antoinette was standing and held her daughter's hand the dauphin sat on the table in front of her at the moment when the march began a woman threw a red cap on this table and cried out that it must be placed on the queen's head Monsieur de Wittengoff, his hand trembling with indignation, took the cap and, after holding it a few moments over Marie Antoinette's head, put it back on the table. Then a cry was raised, the red cap for the Prince Royal, tricolored ribbons for little Vito. Ribbons were thrown down beside the Phrygian cap. Someone shouted, if you love the nation, set the red cap on your son's head the queen made an affirmative sign and the revolutionary coiffure was set on the child's fair head what humiliations were these for the unhappy mother what anguish for so haughty so magnanimous a queen 
the galley slave's cap has touched the head of the daughter of the caesars and now soils the forehead of her son the slang of the fish markets resounds beneath the venerable arches of the palace how bitterly the unfortunate sovereign expiates her former triumphs where are the ovations and the apotheosis the carriages of gold and crystal the solemn entries into the city in its gala dress to the sound of bells and trumpets what trace remains of those brilliant days when more goddess than woman the queen of france and naviar appeared through the cloud of incense in the midst of flowers and light this good and beautiful sovereign whose least smile or glance or nod had been regarded as a precious recompense a supreme favor by the noble lords and ladies who bent respectfully before her behold how she is treated now consider the costumes and the language of her new courtiers and yet marie antoinette is majestic still even in this horrible scene in presence of these drunken women and ragged suburbans she does not lose that gift of pleasing which is her special dower at a distance they curse her but when they come near they are subjugated by her spell her most ferocious enemies are touched in their own despite a young girl has just called her you call me an austrian woman replied she but i am the wife of the king of france i am the mother of the dauphin i am a frenchwoman by my sentiments as wife and mother i shall never again see the land where i was born i can be happy or unhappy nowhere but in france i was happy when you loved me confused by this gentle reproach the young woman softened pardon me she said it was because i did not know you i see very well now that you are not wicked a woman passing stopped before the queen and began to sob what is the matter with her asked santier what is she crying about and he shook her by the arm saying make her pass on she is drunk even santier himself felt marie antoinette's influence madame he said to her the people wish you no harm your friends deceive you you have nothing to fear and i am going to prove it by serving as your shield it was he who took pity on the dauphin whom the heat was stifling and said take the red cap off the child he is too hot he too it was that hastened the march of the procession and pointed out to the people the different members of the royal family by name saying this is the queen this is her son this is her daughter this madame elizabeth at last the crowd is gone the hall is empty it is eight o'clock the queen and her children enter the king's chamber louis the sixteenth who finds them once more after so many perils and emotions covers them with kisses in the midst of this pathetic scene some deputies arrive marie antoinette shows them the traces of violence which the people have left behind them locks broken hinges forced off wainscoting burst through furniture ruined she speaks of the danger that have threatened the king and the insults offered to herself 
perceiving that merlin the theonville an ardent jacobin has tears in his eyes she says you are weeping to see the king and his family so cruelly treated by people whom he has always desired to render happy the republican answered yes madame i weep but it is for the misfortunes of the mother of a family not for the king and queen i hate kings and queens a deputy accosted marie antoinette saying in a familiar tone you are very much afraid madame you must admit no monsieur she replied i was not afraid at all but i suffered much in being separated from the king at a moment when his life was in danger at least i had the consolation of being with my children and performing one of my duties without pretending to excuse everything agree madame that the people show themselves very good-natured the king and i monsieur are convinced of the natural goodness of the people it is only when they are misled that they are wicked how old is mademoiselle went on the deputy pointing to madame royale she is at that age monsieur when one feels only too great a horror of such scenes other deputies surround the dauphin they question him on different subjects especially concerning the geography of france and its new territorial divisions into departments and districts and are enchanted by the correctness of his replies an officer of the chasseurs of the national guard enters the king's chamber this officer has shown the utmost zeal in protecting his sovereign and has had the honor of being wounded at his side he is congratulated the dauphin perceives him what is the name of that guard who defended my father so bravely he asks monseigneur replies monsieur hugh i do not know he will be flattered if you ask him the prince runs to put his question to the officer but the latter in respectful terms declines to answer then monsieur hugh insists i beg you he cries tell us your name i ought to conceal my name replies the officer unfortunately for me it is the same as that of an execrable man the faithful royalist bore the same name as the man who had caused the arrest of the royal family at varennese the previous year he was called Drouot. the hour for repose had come at last it is ten o'clock certain individuals still complain they took us there for nothing but we will go back and have what we want still the storm is over the crowd has evacuated the palace the courtyards and the garden the assembly closes its sessions at half-past ten petion said there the king has no cause of complaint against the citizens who marched before him he has said as much to the deputies and magistrates finally as the deputies were about to separate after this exciting day one of them monsieur gaeton morobeau remarked the deputation which preceded us has doubtless announced to you that all is now tranquil we remained with the king for some time and saw nothing which could inspire the least alarm we invited the king to seek some repose 
he sent an officer of the national guard to visit the posts and the officer reported that there was nobody in the palace his majesty assured us that he desired to remain alone we left him and we can certify to you that all is quiet end of chapter twenty